Amen. I'm going to sing wherever I go. Good morning, everyone. It is great to see you here today. I trust that uh, you'll be blessed by uh, our continuing study in Renew, our, our Week of Prayer sermon series. We just had Week of Prayer now two weeks ago. Um, we, we began this in the beginning of February. We spent seven days uh, praying over a church vision presentation where we presented Renew uh, Bible Church as a future name for this church. And as we've been praying through and working through it as a church, many of you came out to the Q&A, which was really encouraging. It's actually available online now for you to watch. Um, some great questions that were asked, as well as you could go back and watch the vision presentation. In fact, when anybody asked me a question, I said, did you watch it that morning um, before anything else? So that's available to you as our church is continuing to walk towards its future. And uh, a lot of prayer has been put into this and uh, a lot of thought. And we'll be discussing it more as we move towards the spring and as we move into decision time. But one of the things I wanted to do is just spend a couple weeks beyond the vision presentation talking about kind of the power of uh, what we believe is a great word and a great name, renew, and uh, what it means to be changed. And, and the idea behind a renew is that a change occurs that you intend to be superior than its former state. Nobody wants to renew something and it's a lot worse. You know, you want to see it be superior to that, and we believe uh, this vision will enable that as well. It's been encouraging for me in my own private study. Over the past year, I've been sharing this series. A lot of it has stemmed right out of my own devotional life and what God's been doing in my own life. And one of the things I've really found, you know, I, I've referenced this a few times. Did you ever buy a car, and, and once you buy the car, everybody has one, it feels? You hadn't seen that car before, but as soon as you buy it, um, it it's everywhere, it feels. Well, that's been happening with rewords for a lot of people. In fact, I even got a text from somebody that took a picture of their shampoo in the shower. So that was kind of odd. I've never gotten that. Um, but but uh, look, a reword, you know, it's like, yeah, they're everywhere and, and you'll see them more. But they're really uh, a, a lot of reads in scripture. And I referenced this before, but well, it's, it's worth renoting. Um, renew, redeem, regenerate, restore, refresh, reveal, rebuild, reward, regain, refine, Revive, that was the name of the shampoo. Um, rejoice, repent, rescue, remember, return. In fact, one of our goals is when you read the scriptures, you'll see all the rewords, and it will harken back to this place, and it will remind you of a vision we have to not only renew lives that come into this place, but take it as a challenge to be renewing Percocy and the surrounding community as our goal as well. And so, as we laid out the Renew Bible Church Revivals Outreach Center and the Replay Athletic Complex possibly of the future, um, there's been a lot of leverage and traction in that area. Uh, we plan to handle that middle circle first. I've gotten maybe more questions about that than the, the other aspect, but uh, those things are, are part of our future as we work towards that moving forward. You know, last week we spent some time talking about renewing the spirit. I, I had shared that in my own life. I had grown a little, a little overwhelmed, a, a little discouraged, if I'm quite honest, and um, kind of fearful if this is the way it's always going to be of my future because of the way I was handling certain pressures 
um, that were coming upon me. And I knew I needed some personal renewal. You ever kind of run yourself, you know, into the ground? Um, do I have any families that do any kind of travel sports? Have you ever thought three weeks into this thing, why on earth did we sign up for this? You know, when you're driving everywhere on Saturdays or Sundays. Um, have you ever committed to something and it kind of fried you out? Or did you ever take a position at work you thought it was going to be a great thing? And right now you're, you're laying in bed telling your wife, I'm not sure I'm going to live if I stay at this job. Like, I'm not even sure my heart is going to take it. Maybe moms, you know, you've been having kids. It's been a wonderful season of life. But to be honest with you, they outnumber you now. The strollers are getting wider. You know, and this is why, this is why you see a mom sometimes in public and she runs into something, knocks something over, and she just starts crying. It has nothing to do with whether that fell over, okay? It's also why you see a mom knock something over and go, forget it, kick the whole thing over. Both reactions, both reactions stem probably from someone who's a little overwhelmed internally. You know, we serve a God that wants to deal with the overwhelmed person inside us just as much as the God who sees the outside of us. He sees both, and he wants to renew us from within. And one of the things we grabbed on about this renew my spirit was David's story after he had sinned with Bathsheba and he was exposed by Nathan the prophet. We talked about how David came to a spot where he was caught and exposed. It's as if all his junk it's as if God says, hey, what's done in secret will one day brought to light. It's like God said, I'm going to open the junk in your life and I'm going to expose it. That's what he had to do with David. For David was living as if it was okay to harbor all that sin he had in his life. He was even, I'm sure, justifying and making excuses. I'm the king. I should get what I want. She shouldn't be bathing outside. Well, you know, maybe if her husband wasn't off at, at battle all the time. But, but God exposed it. I had a gentleman come up to me and said, one of the things we work through in my small group with our guys is we say this, Chris. We say, would you rather be humbled or humiliated? All those in favor of humbled, <laughs> right? Would you rather be humbled by God and talk to him about the stuff you've been harboring? Resentment, bitterness, discouragement, materialism, whatever it is. Or would you rather God expose it? I would rather we keep this closed and deal with it right now, God. And that was the heartbeat behind David's prayer. But David had been exposed. The doors had been thrown wide open on David's life. Nathan said, you're the man. You've killed him. And David's prayer was so, so incredibly broken. We broke down some aspects of his prayer. Here, here's some of them. Rescue me from my debt. Have mercy on me, O God. Remove my impurities. Blot out my transgressions. I've sinned. Release my shame. He said, my sin is everywhere I go. There it is. Hey, how you doing today? Good to have you today. Hey, welcome, welcome to church. My sin's ever before me. It, it's like I walk around in shame. Release it, God. Recognize my confession. I'm coming to you. Against you only I've sinned, God. Refine my secret heart. You know the place where I kind of hide the stuff that I'm kind of like apologizing and, and, and maybe to you, but I'm really not willing to change? Teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Refresh my broken soul. Let the bones you've crushed rejoice, God. Restore my gladness. Living with all this junk in my life has stolen the joy of my salvation. Lord, bring it back. Reset my purposes. Renew my attitude. Revive my praises. Open my lips. My mouth will declare your praise. Ten marks 
of the prayer of renewal from Psalm 51 of a life that was humiliated. But I wanted you all to note something last week about that prayer. There was nothing David could do. David needed God to do the renewing. Create in me a clean heart. And it's so important for us to understand that the renew process isn't something we go try hard to do. The renew process is something we go pray hard to do. And, and David said, the life that's exposed before God, that's broken going, God, you see it. God, you see it. I want to deal with it. He says, that broken and contrite spirit is what God wants. Not David to go out and perform some sacrifice for his sins, but to offer his life a contrite and broken spirit God will not despise. That's the renewed prayer of the renewed heart. Boy, that'll change your prayer life. God, I've been praying for a good day tomorrow. I've been praying for my kids to change. I've been praying for my work to change. I want everybody to change around me. I want all my circumstances to change so I can say the same. And God says, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. If you want all those circumstances to change, we got to deal with the junk. You got to change. Okay, God, I'll change. Well, if you could, brother and sister, you would already have. This is why Paul said, I do what I don't want to do. I do what I don't want to do. But folks, last week, I pray this spoke to you. Because there's so many people living with the shame. Even when they ask for forgiveness, and God promises to not only forgive our sins, but to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and I pushed it off the, th the thing. There's some of us who keep rehearsing the past, don't we? We keep watching reruns. I did this, God. Forgive me. I, it keeps coming up, God. And we're having difficulty. And, and this is where we gave you this quote from, from last week. Just because you can't go back and change the beginning doesn't mean you can't start where you are and change the ending. Oh, but you don't understand. They're never going to forgive me. Well, they may never. You don't understand. I can never erase what I've done. Well, you might not be able to. But God has promised to do those things for the heart that is contrite and broken for him. And at the end of the day, he's the only audience that matters. You know, I teach you, I coach youth sports from time to time. And, and one of the things we always tell the kids, hey, it's not how we start this. It's how we end it. How many believers in Christ are loaded down with a load of shame because all they are consumed with is how they started or what they've done? I pray that this Renew series sets a course for you to say, I don't have to be this way. I don't have to live like this. I can submit to God because I'd rather be humbled than humiliated. Would you join me today as we walk into part two of not renew my spirit or my heart, but renew my mind. Yes, my mind. God, this is an area that needs renewal as well, how I think how I process. Scripture tells us, be transformed by the renewing of the mind. What does that mean? Well, today that's our subject, part two of a three-part series. Would you pray with me? And let's renew our minds today. Heavenly Father, use this text to inspire us to dig deep. Lord, I understand this isn't for everyone. For you have to be a certain spot in your spiritual life to want to allow the Lord to do a deep dive. So I'm going to pray, Lord, for those people out there who truly want to live for you. 
They are not into games. They're not into pretending. They're not into the social club that Christianity can be. That's not their goal in life. They want to live for Jesus. They want to be an all-out person. They don't respect people who are halfway in and halfway out. They want to live hard for you. If they say they're a believer, they want to live like it. That's who this audience is targeting. And so, Lord, I pray today for this audience, whoever it is out there, Lord, that you'd penetrate their hearts today that they would understand the renewal process is the beginning of the depth of spiritual life some have and some experience that others do not. This soul cleansing, if you will, that comes with the renewal of the mind. Teach us, Lord, through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, here's how it starts. It's Romans chapter 12. Many of you might have this passage memorized, okay? If you grew up in the church, okay, if you're like maybe, I'm going to say, 40 and up, you probably were memorizing things, especially if you grew up in this church in like King James and stuff, and so you said a lot of thou's and these and stuff, and, and you probably remember this, I beseech ye therefore brethren. Do you remember that? Remember hearing that growing up? I beseech. You had no clue what you were talking about, and nobody cared. Your whole goal was to get the sticker on the kid's th thing, and, and you're good, okay? But like if you walked into school today, kids, and you were like, hey man, I beseech thee. Somebody might be like, don't talk to me like that. You know, you, what is that word? Well, I beseech, what, what are we doing? Okay, let, let, me, let me start unpacking this text. It's in Romans 12, and it starts this. Paul says to the church in Rome, okay, I appeal to you, therefore. Appeal means to urge. It's actually between commanding and beseeching. It's one of the most tenderest expressions you can use with somebody. So this is like, hey, 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 please hear me. You ever do that to anybody? Parents, we've done this. Listen, please. All right, I know you don't understand why, but just I'm begging you. That's Paul's emotion here. Just hear me on this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God. I'm coming to you this way. And, and so I, I put it in italics. I put the word therefore in italics. There, there's something to be said about therefores. Whenever you see a therefore in Scripture, you should try to figure out what it's there for. That's right. You should try, why, why is it there? And, and I feel I'm robbing this book. Okay, I've got a little bit of um, Bible college shame in me to jump into chapter 12 without going through chapters 1 through 11. Uh, it's not typically how you want to attack a passage because we have a huge therefore. Did you know, and I'm going to make all like seminary students happy here. Um, did you know there's four therefores in Romans that, you know, it's, it's worth conversation about that most people, including myself, probably don't care that much about. But like, I'm, I'm just going to get a little nerdy and technical right here. There are four powerful therefores in Romans, and it's called kind of the Mount Rushmore of therefores. Okay, you might know them. Here, here they are. Just jump with me into this conversation for a second. Um, therefore, okay, um, of condemnation. Romans 2.1, okay. Therefore, you have no excuse. Based on the fact that you have been given everything you need through general and natural revelation, um, chapters 1 and 2 are all about, um, you have no excuse for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. If you don't know a Savior, if you don't commit your life to a Savior, you will be condemned for your life. The therefore of Romans 5.1 is the therefore of justification. 
having been justified, therefore, having been justified by faith. The, the Romans 8.1, I, I love this one, it's one of my favorite therefores, the therefore of assurance. Therefore, there is now no condemnation in Jesus Christ. The child of God has been forgiven and will not be condemned for their sin anymore. They're free from condemnation. And then there's the therefore of Romans 12.1, okay? That's the therefore of dedication. Therefore, I beseech you. So, these therefores, they're based on something. And what they're based on is doctrine that Paul laid out. Okay, let me just put Professor Hat on for two more minutes. A mistake that is so often made, okay, and I'm sure I've made it in the past too, so don't take this like a self-righteous statement. But so many preachers, so many communicators, so many youth sermons, so many kids' messages, okay, Ignore the therefores and teach the practical application. That is never how Paul worked. He implanted doctrine based on what Christ has done for you, based on how Christ has named you, based on what Christ has done for you, live this way. Here's the danger. When you don't put the doctrine before the application, what happens is you walk up there with this application and we all become doers. And we go out there, and it's almost like this legalistic-based message of if you go do this now, this is what the Bible says, go do this, because you left out the doctrine behind it. Because apart from Christ, you can't do anything, folks. And so if the doctrine's not in place, you're going to be tempted to walk out here and go, I'm going to go renew my life. And you can't. It's not your job. You're not even capable. I'm going to go create me a clean heart. How are you going to do that? Mm. Well, pastor said, if I pray this and this, and that's the mistake. So the therefores of Romans 12.1, you guys are like, man, Chris, you really do got some shame. You're like really pounding on this, are based on the mercies of God. Okay, let's go back to our verse. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Ooh. If you don't know the mercies of God, you're going to be tempted to not be grateful for your salvation. But if you're grateful for your salvation, you're going to be enthusiastic about living for Christ by the mercies of God. Now, one of the ways I, I just like to teach observational interpretation is this. If you're having trouble understanding something, put your name in it and see if it teaches. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of Chris. Now, if my kids know Chris as a merciful dad, they're going to go, wow, that's awesome. Hey, I'm coming to you like Chris would come to you. Oh, dad is so merciful. Okay, but if they know dad to be not merciful and performance-driven, hey, I come to you on the mercies of Chris. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, that's not good. And you know the statistics, counselors say, of children and their view of God based on how their father, human father, has treated them. So if I'm the devil, I'm trying to really destroy their image and view of dad if they're going to base their view of God on how dad treats them. If dad's a performance dad, then I have to perform to be loved. If dad is aloof, then God is aloof and doesn't really care about my life. What a challenge, dad, and this isn't Father's Day, but it's something for us to think about. Am I an accurate representation, the best I can be, of the mercies of God? 
can I just give you a little bit of the foundation so that we can really grab the depth of the verses of chapters 12, 1 and 2 of Romans? There are seven things you can really hearken to that Paul has built into the believers before he says, therefore. Here are some of the mercies of God. Repentance. Uh, you have now a new mind about God. These are seven new things that all believers in here, if you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have these seven things. If you haven't, you really should really look into this. A new mind about God. Justification. A new state before God. I'm justified before him. Regeneration. I have a new life from God. Conversion. I have a new attitude towards God. Sonship. I have a relationship with God, and, and my, my relationship with him cannot be taken away. Sanctification. I have a position before him. He treats me as if I live the life of Jesus Christ, and I have eternal heaven forever. And then glorification. I have a new place for me in heavenly. These are the mercies of God. He's bestowed it upon you as, a, as if a benefactor saying, here it is, children. Paul says, based on how good God has been to you. Present. What does that mean? Present. Present your bodies. It's a decisive action of offering your body. Let's hit time out for a second. I know there's been times where I've said to the Lord, Lord, I give you my heart. I think I've sang that in multiple songs. Lord, I give you my heart. Give you my life. But I'm not sure there's ever been a time where I'm like, God, I give you my body. Because maybe, one, I'm not all that thrilled with it lately. Okay? There was a time where I kind of enjoyed it, I think. You know, there was a few mirror watching in high school. You know, I remember going to the gym, like getting all swelled up, walking by. You know, I don't judge kids who are taking selfies. We would have probably done the same thing, okay? We just didn't have the phones to do it, Okay? But I remember those days of liking that stuff. And as you get older, kids, what happens? You go by a mirror, it's like, oh, whatever. <laughs> now, maybe some of you are like, oh, there, oh, there I am. Okay, that's great. That's great. I hear they, that motels make, hotels make mirrors now that lie to you and make you look thinner and, and all these things, okay? But, but have I ever said, present my body and then he says this, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Now, I know holy means to be set apart, to be different, and acceptable. I understand that. God wants to accept this sacrifice, so it's got to be a good sacrifice. It's got to be one that he thinks aligns to his purposes and wills, and then which is my spiritual worship. Now, I think there's a tendency in the church to think worship is only singing. But this activity that I'm being asked to do based on the mercies of God and what he's done for me. I am to present my body as a living sacrifice. I'm smelling a gospel message coming up. What is this living sacrifice? Now, in order to process through this, I think we have to remember what Old Testament sacrifices were like. In the Old Testament, they sacrificed a lamb, a spotless lamb, or the best lamb they had. And they would shed its blood as an atonement or a substitute for the family's sins, for the people's sin, as a burnt offering. They were dead sacrifices. And, and they were gruesome, folks. And I think in the New Testament age, in the age of grace, we kind of we snooze on the emotion of killing an animal because of something we've done. Let me illustrate with something that'll bring some empathy to the crowd. I got Fluffy here. 
put on the video, this part is not going to be G-rated. When you start thinking about this, folks, there's an emotion to it. Somebody has to die. Something has to die. If I'm the patriarch of a family, for my family's sin. For without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness. And the Levitical law says that burnt offerings must be done if you want God's restoring aspect in your life. And a family doesn't want the judgment of God on them, so they would bring animal sacrifices. And the priest, as a representative for the people, would offer up these sacrifices. But folks, I want you to understand, these weren't like these cute little sacrifices. They would put the lamb down. No, he's not. Nothing's going to happen here. I did this for a youth group one time, and I kept Heinz blood packets in my hand. And I went like this and broke them, and the kid's like, what's wrong with you? We're not going to do that today. But can, I, can, we just, can we just be real for a minute? Think about being the one who is instituting this animal sacrifice, holding it down, often would tie the legs, and they squirmed. And there was an adrenaline running through it because they would know what's happening. And you take it and you slice its throat. If you study this out, what they would do is they'd lay on it because it would fight, kick, and scream. Because of what you did. This animal's dying because of what you did. And it's as if God wanted the emotion of this animal has to die because of what I did, what my family, this animal didn't do anything. There's nothing here. This animal is a substitute for what I did. It's a sacrifice and it hasn't done anything. And there's something as you're cutting it, as you're laying on it, as it's screaming where you're going, man, this thing's got to do this for me. God, what kind of illustration is this? Well, New Testament believer, what kind of illustration is this? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. There's only two that come to my mind when I think of offering yourself as a living sacrifice that were dead sacrifices. Isaac laid down, and Jesus laid down his life. Isaac was spared, Jesus was killed. Three days later, he got up shouting, Let's put him over here so nobody thinks I hurt him. Okay, he's all good, very happy. And he is as soft as he looks. But when I begin to process the emotion of what that would be like, I see, go back to my verse, please, present your bodies. I see that Paul's saying he don't want, God don't want a dead sacrifice. He wants you to be alive. He wants a living sacrifice. He wants us to say, Lord, is this what you want from me? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And what's crazy is whoever got on this altar was full commitment. That animal's not coming back. They fully committed their life. But see, this is what for many of us we struggle with. We want to give our life to Christ, but we kind of keep the foot in the world. I'm going to give it all. I'll give you that. I'll give, Sundays are yours unless we're doing something. 
Wednesdays, as long as there's not enough homework. I mean, we'll give you this, God, um, my, my private life, except for this. I, I'll give you 80%, we good with 80%, no, I want a living sacrifice, all in, set apart for me. That's why I said this message isn't, isn't for the person who's okay with half in, half out living. This is for that body, uh, this is for that person who wants to present their body and say, Jesus, I'm tired of playing games, it's all in. It's not where I started, but I certainly want to end a different way. I want to give my life as a living, not a dead, but a living sacrifice. And this is my worship, my obedience to you, not just in song, but with my hobbies. My obedience to you with my athletics. My obedience to you with my, with my musical talents, with my artistic abilities. I want to be a living sacrifice and offer this body and everything it can do on this side of eternity fully to you. And so important, when Jesus says, I want all of you, he's actually being protective. There's an illustration given out by A.T. Peterson. He said, imagine you had 1,000 acres of land. Wow, what would that be worth, right? And someone comes to you and says, I want to buy it from you. And they give you an incredible price. And you say, deal, but there's one condition. There's one acre of land in the middle of the 1,000 acres, and I want to keep it. In fact, I want a right-of-way road going all the way to that one acre of land. And I want access back and forth. And the guy says, okay, done. You buy the 1,000 acres. He buys 999 acres. And you keep that one acre. A.T. Peterson says, be sure that one area you haven't surrendered, the devil will also make an inroad across that person's life to the unsurrendered ground and set up a foothold. When God says, give it all to me, he's being protective as well. If you leave anything in that mind or in that heart that's not completely surrendered to me, you are open game for an enemy who goes, that part's not surrendered. I'm gonna go make myself a foothold in that life and I'm gonna tear it down from within. How often do we look at God and saying, I want you to do this, and we go, another thing I have to do, when he's actually being quite protective and loving. And so he says how? You know this. Do not be conformed to the world. Don't be conformed. What does the word conform mean? It means to be patterned after or molded like. It's as if you have a mold, and then you mold another one like it, or you squeeze something into the mold. And, and what is the world? Are we talking about this earth, or are we talking about attitudes? We're talking about attitudes. The spirit of this world, the attitudes towards God of this world, the actions of this world against God. Saying, don't be conformed. Don't be squeezed into that mold. It's often said the world kind of has... Um, Four aspects of a mold that we often fall into. Fortune, which makes up money and materialism. Fame, which makes up popularity and acceptance. Power, which makes up influence or control. And pleasure, which kind of makes up our sensual desires. It's kind of all the world has to live for. Can you imagine, child of God, living a life where all you have to live for is your 80 so, 90 maybe tops, years of life here. Store up a bunch of money, make people respect you, 
brag about what you've done, die. Man, I think I would lay in my bed at night going, okay, there has got to be something more to life than that. But that's the world's way. Those who don't know Christ and aren't enlightened to the Scripture are stuck in these molds that say Scripture's stupid. People who like religious things need a crutch. And they're stuck into it. And they're defined by what they do, how much they make, who they know, what people say and think about them, and what they're willing to do that you're willing to do. That's the essence of life. Scripture calls it the elementary principles. Don't be conformed. But, but, do you know what the but is? But be transformed. Now, what do you think of when you say transformed? I know what I think of. That's what I'm talking about. I think of transformers. Whenever I hear the word, I think of transformers. And I was, can I reveal something about my age? Huge Optimus Prime fan. Okay? I mean, that was the tractor trailer, and I had the bed and all that stuff. In fact, uh, you know, I had such great parents that if I liked one transformer, I got other transformers. Got grandkids like that where, like, parents are like, Grandma, enough. They have enough of that. Oh, I just saw one, and I wanted to get it. Okay, they have seven of that kind. I love Transformers. I had Transformers around. This isn't my Transformer. It's been, it's been uh, loaned to me for this, so this Transformer is now famous. Um, and it turns into something. See, transformed is a word that we've gotten into English that wasn't translated. just came into our language. The word means metamorphosis. So one thing turns into another. Now, what do you think this thing turns into? All right, we're going to give it our best shot. I'm going to try to transform this thing, okay? So we're going to put this back. Um, I remember this from the first service, so this is part of it. Here we go. All right. Snap. Snap. Are we seeing something form here? Are you seeing something? Okay, let's go like this. I think we're okay still. This would help. I think. Stay. I think it actually might walk. I don't know. Clearly, it was a dinosaur. Look at that thing. That's a fun toy. That's a great toy. But I'll tell you what, the first time I tackled it, and it's still kind of so I probably haven't done something right, either that or, or something else. But when I look at this guy and I see what it was and what it is now, I noticed that there was some work to be done. There was an investigation. I started with this leg, then went over to this leg, then I worked off the tail. It wasn't overnight, and it wasn't quick, and it wasn't necessarily simple. And so when I think of transformers and I think of transforming something, I realize that there is a process involved. It's not boop. Do not be conformed. Don't fit the mold, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, Scripture says. What does that mean? By the renewal of the mind. 
when I read this, I begin to think about what transformed means. And I want to take you, can we just dive down under the word before we get to renewal just a little bit. It's in something that's called present tense, the original word, and in passive voice. Transforms in passive voice. What does that mean? Here's, here's the power of that. If something's said in passive voice, it changes the way things are done. I'll give you an example. I am going to the store. That is an active voice. I am going to the store. If I say, I was taken to the store, do you hear that change? I'm going to the store, active. I was taken to the store, passive. Transformed in its original is passive. That means I have to be transformed by something outside of me. I can't walk out the doors and transform my life. Who's doing the transforming? This is the power of why we go to renew to answer that question. If transformed is passive, who's doing the transforming? And why does my mind need this renewal? Who does this transforming? Well, Titus 3.5 gives us a hint. Do you like to do some research? Here's where I found out who was doing the renewing and the transforming. God saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, not because of anything I had done, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of who? The Holy Spirit. One of the persons of the triune God, the Holy Spirit, does the transforming, does the maneuvering. It's not something I can do. And renewal, the word is involved in all three tenses, all three tenses of the salvation process. Justification, the past. Sanctification, the present. Glorification, the future, are all involved in the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Why does it need renewing? I want you to note something about Ephesians 4.23 if you've ever come across this verse. Look what Paul says. He says this, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds. What? My mind has a spirit? Here's what, I'm going to hearken to John Piper for this for a second. He said this, our minds are more than computers that spit out information. Our mind has a spirit or a mindset, scripture teaches us here. It doesn't just have a view. It has a viewpoint. It has a bent. It has a demeanor. It's wired a certain way. And when we have allowed sin to clog up, when we have downloaded images that are impure on the hard drive, folks, we did a men's purity series, an addicted brain to pornography looks different on an exam than a brain that's not. The brain literally looks different. It's been wired to an addiction. And it was similar to a brain that was addicted to cocaine. The wiring has changed. You know we're wired. You know how our brain's wired to our bodies. It is said that people who have had their legs amputated still get phantom pain, even though the leg's not there, because the brain has not rewired itself to realize yet the leg's no longer there. I know of someone who is going through a battling a disease where they feel pain in their body, and when they go visit the neurologist, he has her 
look to certain aspects in the room because the left eye is working the right brain, the right eye is working the left brain. And by looking certain ways, it takes the pain out of that area because of how the brain is wired through our system. God works on us through the bodies he created. And from just a lay person's view, the front of your brain is your perceptions, your tune, time, color, locality. The top is the reflective aspect of your brain, your human nature, casualty, agreeableness. The top is that moral, hope, spirituality, imitation. In the middle there, self-perfecting, idealism, um, mirthfulness. Aspiring, that's the sublimity, the consciousness, the firmness, our self-esteem back in here. Down back here, domestic, that's your, that's your um, friendship, your continuity. Uh, those, are, those are more familial. Then right here around the ear, those are your animal instincts, like secretiveness and destructiveness and, and acquisitiveness. You, 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 the more you study the brain, the more you realize why people like headphones. And, and as you work through these things, we have this aspect where if we've kind of messed with our hardwiring and we're thinking incorrectly, it's going to impact the rest of our lives. This is why when we're stressing on fearful thoughts, anxiety crushes what's going on down here. It can mess with your digestive tract because of our thought life. And so God's saying, look, we need to be renewed in our minds. We need renewal in the spirit of our minds. Why? So that we can test and discern what the will of God is, so that we don't get thinking about things that are wrong, and instead think of what's good and acceptable and what's perfect. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. At the end of the day, God is calling us. It's an illustration we like to use with our youth to be thermostats, not thermometers. What's the difference between a thermometer and a thermostat? A thermometer, what does it do? It reflects the temperature around it, right? What's a thermostat do? It sets the temperature. Don't be conformed. It's so easy to do. It happens slowly. We just become the temperature of the room. Watch this video before we apply this truth and leave. Okay, Jeff, looks like you're all set. Welcome to Hudson Valley High School. And you should be in chemistry right now, room 207. Thank all right, you. good luck.
how you play. Get out of here, you loser. What's with the toilet seats? It's Friday. You know, as you watch a video of him seeing all these kids mocking him for not having their shoes tied, you knew eventually what was going to happen. It was disheartening, wasn't it? You just knew eventually this kid's going to give in, he's going to conform, he's going to tie his shoes together. It's so hard sometimes figuring out how to live for God because we are not perfect. We do make mistakes. We do struggle. And it's very easy to conform. And let's just all admit it's easy to conform. So I want to give you some prayers as you leave today. Not an action step. Not a to-do list. I want to give you prayers. I call it the good and perfect test. They're renewed prayers. For when you don't want to do what you're supposed to do. Instead of you going out and trying harder for God, would you try instead to go out and pray harder for God's renewing work? The Holy Spirit's work to renew your mind. God, I hate going to school. Young person, have you ever said, Lord, would you renew my mind to help see the value of school? Because I say none. God, I hate my class this year. You're a teacher out there, maybe. God, would you renew my mind to see my class differently? Here they are. You can always get these online so you don't have to write feverishly. It's found in Romans 12, 9 through 21. The good and perfect test. Lord, renew my authenticity with others. Paul says, let love be genuine. Is it hard for you to not fake it? Would you like to be authentic again? We can be nice to people that we don't like. God's saying, let our love be genuine. God, my love hasn't been genuine. Renew my authenticity. Renew my hatred for sin, God. Scripture says, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. God, reset my hatred for sin. I've been okay with sin. I've been justifying sin. I know I got a closet. I need some hatred for sin again. I need to abhor what's evil. I've been kind of laughing at what's evil. Reset my hatred for sin. Lord, renew my affection towards other believers. Scripture continues, love one another with a brotherly affection. 
Isn't it interesting, parents? We'll cover up our kids' mistakes if we can. We'll um, extend them grace when they don't deserve it. We'll continue to associate with them, even though the relationship is kind of damaged. But when it comes to a brother in Christ, we cut them off in two seconds or just run to the next church in town. Love one another with a brotherly affection means giving them opportunity to heal. Lord, I don't want to renew my affections. I got some hard wiring off, God. Renew my passion to encourage other people. Maybe you've been living for self only. Scripture says, outdo one another in showing honor. Reaffirm my call to bless other people. Here's the idea. Hey, I paid for your breakfast. Oh, yeah? Well, I drove your kid home from school. Whoa, yeah? Well, I told somebody I really respect and like you. Ah! That is the idea here. Outdo one another in showing honor. Lord, I haven't gotten away from that. I've gotten away from that. Renew my passion to encourage people. Renew my fervor to serve you. Here's a prayer. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Oh, I've done my time at church. Well, I'm older now. Or, you know, last time I served, somebody burnt me, so I'm not getting back into that. Maybe you need a mind reset. Lord, renew my mind. Renew my fervor to serve. It's wrong for me to just shut down. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Lord, renew my perseverance in trial. I've been complaining. I've been frustrated. I've been mad. Look, when there's a fire, we teach the kids to stop, drop, and roll. Why? We're preparing for a trial. We need to prepare spiritually too. And God says, yeah, it's called hope, patience, and prayer. Lord, renew my perseverance right now. God, you know I'm struggling. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Renew my cheerfulness to give, God. I've lost it. Rekindle my generosity, Lord. My money and time are where I worship. Lord, rekindle that. I've heard people say, I stopped giving because I didn't like the way that was being done. Well, you're robbing yourself. Yeah, but that's the way. Renew your mind. Pray. Eight, bless those who curse you. Bless and do not curse them. Lord, renew my patience with my critics. Lord, when somebody criticizes me, I just turn to hate and anger and tell them to get away. Lord, renew my reactions. Redeem my reactions. I was told by one of my mentors, Chris, how you handle criticism will determine where you plateau in leadership. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who reap. Lord, I haven't been very empathetic with people. I get jealous when something good happens in their life, and I'm aloof when something bad happens. Lord, renew my empathy. I've been letting myself be a pretty hard-hearted person. It's God's job to do the renewal. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Ah, oh, Lord, you know, I've really had an unwillingness to relate to certain people. I disagree with them. I read their posts and stuff. I just can't stand them. Lord, I need you to renew my willingness to relate to people because I've grown hardened. You can't go out and do it. You need the Holy Spirit to do the work. Never be wise in your own sight. Lord, reboot my view of self. Lord, renew my self-awareness. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Lord, renew my willingness to reconcile. I've been harboring bitterness and an unwillingness to reconcile as far as it is by me. Lord, renew my willingness to forgive. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. 
I'll repay. Lord, renew my willingness to forgive. You know I've chosen to not forgive. And I don't want to forgive, and it's going to be hard to transform me, God. It's going to take some work, but I want you to do it. God, renew my willingness to forgive. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For in doing so, you heap burning coals on his head. Lord, renew my love for people who dislike me. How many of you prayed that this year? Renewal prayers will change your life because you're going from the inside, the secret heart, to the out. This is not a performance message. This is a dependence message. We are dependent on the Holy Spirit doing the renewing and transforming our lives. 14-point good and perfect test. I'll put it up on social media. We'll put it on, up on the FBC Percocy. You can look at it yourself. But I put them in all rewords so that we could be a church that is not just in the business of outward activity, but be transformers because of what the Spirit's doing in us. He finishes the whole text with, do not overcome evil with evil, by evil. Do not be overcome by evil, excuse me, but transform it. Overcome evil with good. The greatest thing you can do for a negative thought life is say, okay, devil, you've robbed a lot of my joy, a lot of my peace, and a lot of my relationships with what I've thought up here. I'm going to turn it for good. Heavenly Father, there's many of us out there, and if we're perfectly honest, we're living kind of defeated, a little discouraged, a little tired, a little overwhelmed, a little overworked. We got tension in our life. We have regret. We got some shame. We got some guilt. And we're children of God. Lord, we stand forgiven, but we have allowed the sin that so easily entangles us to weigh us down. And so, Lord, we don't want to be humiliated, so humble us. May we come to you and say, Lord, I listened to this sermon today, and i got to do some mind renewal. And it's not me doing the work, it's you. And so, Lord, a broken and contrite heart is all i got. I'm on my knees, God. I don't want to fix that relationship, but I know I should. I don't want to work this hard. It's difficult. I need your strength. I don't want to continue on if life's going to be like this. I need fresh perspective. Lord, renew my mind. Renew the way I think. Fill me with the scripture I need for what I'm going through. And remind me, it's not me going out trying harder. It's me bending lower saying, God, do your work. You have permission. Renew my mind. Transform me, Holy Spirit, for I am so tempted to conform to the world in the way it thinks, and I need your fresh waterfall of renewal to fall on me today. In Jesus' name, we pray.